Greetings, everyone, and welcome to the lucky number 13th edition of Cinema Effect. I'm Zach, and I'm joined by PTA's number one fanboy, Liam. Hello. And my fellow Hans Zimmer appreciator, Jaden. G'day. God. <laughs> I just feel so obligated to do that now. I don't I don't even really like doing it, to be honest. You know? With the nickname. I, I don't think... Yeah, the nickname and just... Like, yeah, I feel like I'm just reading... I don't know. There's no passion behind the intro. You know, the intro should bring some energy, I think, to the show, and I'm really failing to do that, I think. Well, when I offered you and, uh, you know, other nicknames, you shut them down. So, I mean, look where we are. It's true. I did shut them down. I mean, I think I was justified in shutting them down, but but you're not wrong, though. Like, I feel like to bring the energy I want, I need to make those kind of sacrifices and perhaps get a little bit more vulgar in the intro. Yeah, I'd go for it. All right. Well, um, get hyped for vulgar intros in the future, I guess. Uh, oh, God. Anyway, this is Cinema Effect, the podcast where we review and talk about a different movie every single week. The show posts every Monday. You can find us on YouTube, Apple Podcasts, and Spotify. So subscribe, rate us, all that fun stuff. You can always submit any questions to the show via the YouTube comments section. We read them at the end of the show. And I mean, because the end of the show always basically goes off the rails anyway. We'll just talk about anything. I'm happy to debate foods. Um, I mean, yeah. Actually, maybe not. I don't want to debate foods. Whatever, whatever. Submit your questions. We'd appreciate it. But, of course, we've got our specific question prompt of the week um, that we also answer at the end of the show. And this week we're going for... We're asking you what the scariest film you've seen is, and not just your, the best scary film, but ones that actually make you shit your pants or creeped you out or something like that. Maybe something from your childhood. I don't know. That's probably going to be my case. But yeah, they can be good. They can be bad. But what made you shit your pants? Let us know in the comments. We'd definitely appreciate that, and we'll read them at the end of next week's show. Um, this week, we're doing our first comedy. We're doing Super Bad. How exciting is that? I mean, hey, maybe Matrix Reloaded counts as a comedy in some people's eyes. Maybe. I don't know. All right. (laughs) 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 Cheers. All right. So, Data Dump. Let's do it for Super Bad. Um, The film opened in the US on the 17th of August, 2007. It was directed by Greg Motola. Motola. Motella. Motola. Motella. Whatever. Motola, um, and it, what did you say? Motola. Motola. <laughs> I love how I always just like mispronounce these words and then you guys just come in and just say it super easy. Wow. Okay. Um, and it was written by Seth Rogen and Evan Goldberg. I can say them fine. It stars Jonah Hill, Michael. Now, yo, is this Michael Sarah? Michael Sarah? Sarah. Yeah. Sarah. Sarah. Cool, cool. Christopher Mintz, Plassi, Plass, whatever. Bill Hader. Seth Rogen and Emma Stone. The film had a budget of $20 million, had a worldwide box office of $171 million. It is a comedy, as I mentioned. It goes for one hour and 53 minutes. And the synopsis is two codependent high school seniors are forced to deal with separation anxiety after they plan, sorry, excuse me, after their plan to stage a booze soaked party goes awry. <laughs> Guys. You've both seen Superbad before. Um, t- t- tell me about how you feel about this movie because th- this one, I, d- I just wrote so many notes for this movie. I wrote five pages of notes. I oh, know I-, I definitely didn't. I wrote balls on those. Um, but yeah, so so 
I don't know. What made you? What drew you to this movie? I guess, Fitzy. I don't know to do this. I mean, I thought I didn't think I was as good as I thought it. Like I thought it wasn't as good as I thought it was the first time. Like, so I can't really. I don't know. Right, right. Does uh, does does that is that just by nature of the kind of movie it is, or or uh, I guess that's a bit unfair, but more just. I don't know. I feel like once you've seen this film, I I can never see myself watching this movie again and enjoying it as much just because I feel like you've seen it once and you kind of just get what it's going for, you know? I don't know if it makes any sense. Anyway, how do you feel about it, Jane? Um, Yeah, no, it's a film I love. I I actually did enjoy it more this time. I think that's because of the context that I have now built with it because, like, first time watching it, you know, you're you're just watching it, but now it's become a film that, you know, I've quoted many times with my mates and, you know, like McLovin has been, oh. you know, a really big joke amongst, you know, me and my friends. So, like, having that context when watching it again, I think it made me appreciate it more. Yeah, cool, cool. Um, Sorry, can you hear the dog or not? Is that on your end? Yeah. 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 Oh, fuck, sorry. No, it's all right, it's all right. Um, I don't know, I'm kind of weird. I feel like I'm weird talking about this movie. I don't know where it's kind of just by nature of what it is, not my cup of tea really, but I totally, I totally respect the movie. I like aspects of the movie. And I mean, I think in terms of at least what I would very much assume, um, uh, Rogan and Goldberg were going for with their script. Like, I think they nailed what they were going for. I just don't know what they were going for really appeals to me that much, but I mean, I, I think they achieved as far as I can tell anyway, achieved their vision and, of what this movie is, and I think that's really cool. Yeah. Well, anyway, I thought it was um, I thought it was okay. Um, I kind of found it to drag a lot in the second half this time, and like I liked some parts of the comedy, but others I really don't like. Like, I mainly just really love um Michael Sarah's character. He's kind of an awkward character in this, but yeah, I don't know. I like was... of you, like you know, a little bit exaggerated. <laughs> Sarah. Yeah. yeah. Well, should I, should I take that as an insult or? I don't know. Um, but yeah, I think it's. You said you liked him, so I guess not. I think it's. Um, I like his scenes. Like, they're awkward and kind of funny. But, um. Yeah, it's kind of mixed for me, I guess. I think it's okay. 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 Um, I'm kind of with you on the dragging in the second half. Um, where. I mean, I think so much of this conversation is just going to be ridiculously subjective because, I mean, everything's subjective, but at the end of the day, I feel like uh, comedy is one of those things, humour is one of those things that is just so, um, not to get too philosophical or anything, but like it, it is subjective to a kind of um, unparalleled degree, I guess. I think so in, in that way, in that respect. What, what was that, sorry? I think like comedy and horror are kind of like the two most objective like things you've got with film. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. That's a good call. Yeah. Um, so yeah. So with that in mind, this is kind of going to be an interesting conversation, I think, but um, I, I, I think I, I like the first half way more than the second half. And I think it, it's kind of a thing for me where the, the second half comes around and I just kind of, I feel like I've seen all this movie has to offer already where I'm like, okay, I get the humor. Yeah. You know, I've, there's been a few good jokes and I appreciate those, but the second half doesn't isn't really offering me anything um, that I hadn't already experienced in the first half. So I'm just like, okay, like I feel like really, you know, after 45 minutes, the charm kind of wears off a bit. 
Yeah, that's kind of how I felt. They kind of they didn't reuse jokes, but they, you know, it was the same. They're in the same vein. Yeah, the same yeah. vein, yeah. The same dick vein? Uh-huh. Oh, Sorry, that was, that, was, that was horrific. That was horrific. <laughs> He's become a fan. Superbad fan. <laughs> Apparently. Oh, God. So I'm um, about the discussion over, or? Yeah, yeah. So, uh, guys, <laughs> super bad out of 10. No, no. but I was actually super interested in going into this into this because I just, yeah, I, I still obviously have no idea how long, you know, we can talk about this movie, but, I mean, I'm down for a different kind of challenge, different kind of chat, for sure. What What... Let's just, let's keep digging into the humor. What did we find funny about this movie? Because I kind of um, um, I mean, like, just like the over the top kind of vulgar nature of it, and the, and the swear words and everything. I'm just like, okay, like, this doesn't really do anything for me personally. Maybe I, I, I is it possible that in 2007 this was in some way like different for audiences? So it was kind of shocking and funny in that way, maybe. But even then, like, I feel like TV shows have been doing this shit for years, like South Park and, and things like that. So is that I mean, even a I think valid it's like, perspective? I think it is, like, your, you know, kind of your generic teen sex comedy plot and, like, you know, in, like, yeah. with execution and everything like that. But I think it's just – it's held to a higher degree just because of the way it is written. I think, like, so, so many of the jokes and the lines and the interactions are just, you know, regarded to be really, really funny. Um, So, like – well, like I don't think it's, it was it wasn't anything shocking because you know you still have films like American Pie along for this, but you know it, I, mm. I think um I think it kind of reinvigorated the tired genre by just being that little bit extra. Right, right, okay. Um, yeah, see, I haven't seen American Pie. I haven't seen. I, I'm not really exposed to this kind of film that much, honestly. So that yeah. probably affects my perspective. But I think, that, yeah, like it's not. I think like it 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 definitely is like a, a genre of comedy that like, gets you know worn out like really quickly and especially like when you see like it, I feel like in like the late two thousands like you like it was kind of saturated really I mean like if I like Marvel movies and like kind of just get pumped out every you know constantly but um mm. I think Super Bad and like other films like Role Models and stuff like they were kind of like you know the ones you know the uh the top shelf stuff. Yeah, so, so I guess, like I said, the swearing and the and the all you know all the sex oriented shit and, and that kind of humor doesn't really do much for me. Um, although I, I mean, there there's I'm definitely one for stupid humor, just not that kind of I guess genre of stupid humor. I guess I'm like I'm much more of a fan of of the really stupid moments when there's like um oh what's a good example when like um. Uh, the cop, you know, just the, I guess the cop characters in general, I enjoyed. Um, I, I started to get a bit sick of them. They're kind of they're in it a bit too much for me. But um, when we kind of introduced to them and just how ridiculous they are, and when uh, like they get calls through the radio of like you know they're in desperate need of backup and they just shut the shut the walkie talkie off like it's a pain in the ass. Like that kind of thing just cracks me up. Like it's just so dumb, but. I don't know, that kind of thing's more my style where I'm just like, this is just ridiculous, but I'm so about that. Um, but, yeah, so, Fitzy, uh, are you a fan of the dick jokes in this movie? How about that? <laughs> um, well, it's really weird because, to me, it feels like every single, like, character out of, like, so you got the cops, um, you got Sarah's character, um, Jonah Hill and McLovin, 
they're all you got four different like kind of types of humor, I guess. And like the co- mm. the cops and Michael Sarah's humor, like Michael Sarah kind of has that awkward like he's in an awkward situation, he doesn't know what the hell to do, and you just kind of help a laugh along yeah. or Adam, I guess. But um, like I really loved those two, the cops and Sarah. But the other two are kind of yeah, in the same kind of vulgar vein of like you know swearing and like going crazy kind of thing. I didn't enjoy that as much, but like. At the same time, I really enjoy the cops and Sarah, so I'm kind of like balances yeah. out a bit. Yeah, yeah, I'm I'm with you. I think with the character stuff because um, Jonah Hill's definitely my least favorite part of the movie, and like yeah. I think I think he he does it. You know, he does his job well of what they're going for. That's totally fine. But that yeah, his character and just his over-the-top swearing and everything. It's just like, okay, this is kind of just, I don't know, this is just well-worn territory for me. I don't really need this um, at all in the movie. Yeah, it, it didn't really give me that many funny moments, but... Yeah, I think the, again, ma- like, the majority of yeah. jokes that don't land are often from his character. I Like that whole yeah. anecdote about, mm. you know, him drawing dicks when he was eight, whatever it was, like 10. Like, it's a bit funny, but I mean, like, it's... Like, they spend too much time on that. Like, that's the one that comes to mind immediately. I'm like, yeah, I didn't really love that much at that one. Yeah, so, that's like, a great example. Yeah. Yeah. But I like, I love, um, Marcus Sarah's reaction. He's just like, oh, super gay. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah. Yeah, some of the, so, some of the dialogue's really good. And I can, t- you know, I, I just like when we get that kind of feeling of these actors just kind of a generally comfortable, um, with one another and, the, and you can tell like when there's improv and when there's not and that kind of just vibe that you kind of just get with the chemistry I think I, I really enjoy that and I think the movie does that quite well especially I think in the first half when like Michael Sarah and uh, and Joan Hill are just kind of hanging out places and they're just chatting like I, I like that kind of thing. I love um, mm. Michael Sarah's interactions with um, his uh, Harry partner. Um, oh yeah yeah. I thought that was super funny, and like how they bring him back at the end with the party, and like they're like on the couches drinking, like you know, like yeah. like although he, it's only a small bit, like I think I think it was really funny just in the way that you know they interact. Which part is that? I'm now I'm thinking real hard. The um, so yeah, you know, character. Yeah, you know how in Harmac Jonah Hill isn't his partner because you know there was not an amount of people in the class. Took the cake. Oh over. yeah, yeah. So like Marcus Sarah's partner was just that kid. Oh, right. Wow, I completely forgot that. Yeah, yeah, I know what you're talking about. That was good when Jonah Hill was going off with that teacher. I like that. Wow. <laughs> but no, I, I'm with you. I like that you brought up the dick thing because, um, yeah. I it, it, dick thing. Oh, all of them, but no, no. <laughs> yeah, the, the, the drawing analogy thing, like analogy story, whatever. Because that that was a time where, like, sure, this is kind of, you know, deserves a bit of a chuckle, but I feel like it, they put way too much emphasis on it. Like this is meant to be just like killer funny when it's like, it's not really like, it's like, Oh, okay. That's kind of cool. But yeah, you're right. It lasts way too long. And I'm just like, all right. I think, um, I think the setup for it is good. Cause like when like he, like he talks about it as if it's like a serious disease, it's like, it's like, it's not like, you know, 8% of like, you know, kids get it and like, oh, it's pretty, it's super rare and whatever. Oh, yeah. And like that, like that kind of, you know, oh, it draws yeah. you in. And then when he says, I drew dicks and you're like, you kind of like, you're like, Oh, what? And like, that's kind of where the laugh is. But then sure. you know, they kind of keep on expanding it more and more and more and more. And, you know. Yeah. 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 100% well said. Yeah. Because then, yeah, you're right. The, the, the 
it feels like the punchline is where you said it was, but then yeah, we get the thing where like well, the young young Becca character like picks up the paper, and I'm like, all right, like we get, I know where this is going, like we can wrap this up. I think. I guess another part of the movie that disappoints for me a bit in the sense of what we're talking about with the second half kind of uh, lagging for us is just the fact that the plot's you know pretty obviously straightforward. I'm not that's totally fine. There's nothing wrong with that. Um, but just the fact that the story itself doesn't really, to me, build to anything interesting. I feel like these kind of this film still could have, in some way, had the potential to. We're building to this party, getting to this location, and once everything, you know, we we get there and what happens there and everything. Like I feel like you can craft a narrative that builds to something interesting and to at least some sort of emotional climax for the characters. Even it doesn't have to be that serious or anything, but just something, you know. Whereas I didn't really feel like as I was progressing through the second half and we're getting closer to this party and everything that happens with the cops and um, Jonah Hill getting hit by the car twice and everything like that, like that's fine. But I, I don't know. I feel like there could have been more done um, with the story going into the third act. I feel like at the very end it kind of does um, do the like them separating well. Like there isn't much of it really, but... Like they have the sleepover and then they're kind of like at the mall and they're kind of the last time they see, or maybe not the last time they see each other, but they're kind of like, like the last, the last scene. Yeah. And the last scene is kind of Jonah Hill looking up the elevator and then he, he sees him and he looks again and then he just walks away kind of like that. I kind of like the, like the, the very end, but I agree that like in the third act, there's not like, yeah, it doesn't really lead to a kind of emotional climax or anything, but. Yeah, yeah. I think it's yeah, and- um, you kind of see it more of like a you know journey rather than this destination type thing where like the characters realize stuff about themselves throughout. You know, especially with Fogel, like McLovin, whatever you want to call him, and his <laughs> interaction with like the cops. And, like, I think, like I think this time around, I think I appreciated that interaction more than like you know between Sierra and Hill. And like you know, it's so like like the character of Fogel is just really really funny. Like, and it's not something I really like appreciated the first time around. But um, something I thought was better this time. Sorry, um, I really just traveled off there. Um, yeah, but like in terms of like the journey, like type thing and like a realization throughout, I kind of feel like that's more what it was going for rather than like this big hit at the end. Oh sure, hmm. yeah. Um, no, that's a good point about the ending though. I didn't even consider. I, I didn't even really think about that properly. No, that's a good point. It does do that. I, I just yeah. I guess I just wish there was a bit more of it. You know. Um. But yeah, no, that did that was a good counterpoint though to that. But yeah, and even but even taking away, I think the emotional side of things and the character driven side of things, it's more just, um, even still, like I feel like, you know, because on paper, like they did, they went through a ton of shit to get to that party. You know, they went through another party, and you know, all kinds of crazy shit happened on the way there. I just feel like it should have felt more like an actual journey in some way. You know, it, it felt like. The whole series of events leading them there could have felt like a bigger deal to them actually getting there, whereas it just kind of felt like I was just watching them fumble around, and, and that was fine. But felt a bit anticlimactic in that way, I guess, is all I meant. Well, what did, like... Because I was reading a... much was looking on, like, Letterbox generally, and someone was talking about Fogel's journey or, like, what he learned from the cops or something, but, like, like what did he really learn from the cops? What was his kind of lesson, I guess? It's kind of one of, like, reinvention and, like, you know, how he doesn't have to be the person that, you know, his classmates have labelled him as, you know, how at the end, like, people are like, oh, wow, he's a badass and, you know, 
and he kind of realizes that you know he is a cool kid because he's been you know drinking with cops and shooting guns and shit. You know, it's 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 one of those you know type of things. Mm-hmm. You can be the person you want to be. Yeah. Yeah. That's oh uh, yeah, that's cool. I like I like that. And do you? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Let me hear you some trivia because I think this links well with what I do appreciate about uh excuse me, appreciate about the movie. Writers Seth Rogen and Evan Goldberg started this script when they were just 13 years old because we just wanted to see if we could write a movie. And I actually really like that, and I kind of appreciate the movie on a whole other level with just that in mind. Like, looking through the lens of just these two friends just literally trying to write a movie um, with dumb humour and, and, and stupid shit going on. And then still, you know, obviously... As as they mature, still being able to inject some of those some of those ca- cool little character things um, that we just discussed into it, I, I think they do a good job of that. Mm. It adds a kind of another layer to the creation of the film, other than just you know these two adults trying to write a really dumb script with dumb humor. It actually kind of m- makes the creation of it more personal, especially since and I've got more trivia here, but it's kind of obvious. But how um the characters are named after the writers and, and their friend, so. Yeah, that kind of personal element, I think, um, you know, meta way adds to the movie for me. All right, it's more like a passion project. Yeah, exactly, exactly. Yeah, it has that personal significance for them. We talked. We, I mean, we kind of touched on all the characters. We kind of got to McLovin there. Uh, Do you guys have a favorite character, Liam? Um. Yeah. Well, Sarah's character, Evan, I guess. Oh yeah. Yeah, you said that. That's right. That's right. I'm sorry, I failed that. How about you, Jen? <laughs> um, yeah, it's, it's it's between Bill Hader's character and McLovin, I reckon. Because um, oh yeah, I don't know. I, th- I think Bill, Bill Hader's great, and I think he does really well in this film. Um, and like like I said, I think everything they do with like um Fogel or McLovin, you know, it's um, I think I, I, I don't know. I love the way the story unfolds, especially like with him. You know, how he goes from like this side friend, and like he he goes on his own side quest. You know. He's kind of like Marion Pippin and, you know, how they took Toggle off and then, you know, you got Frodo and Sim taking the ring, but then they all meet up in the end, you know, it's kind of like that. It is like that. It is like that. And, um, you know, I've always been a big uh, Pippin fan, so I guess, you know, we'll go along with the say that I like uh, McLovin as well in this line. I, I mean, I guess, I guess Michael Sarah is my favorite character too, Fitzy, I think. I don't know. I don't really love any of the characters in this movie, but that's not... Not really a criticism, really. It's just kind of, yeah. No, I guess he is my favorite character. I will say, like, I just personally find like, <laughs> I just find like anything, and and I get that this is very much just rooted in this movie, and that's fine. But just like anything with just like super awkward teenagers in these written scenes just makes me cringe so hard. Which is, I get totally the point, and it works for me so well. I just, I just cringe so hard. Like at the, at the start with Michael Sierra and things like that, I'm just like, Jesus Christ, I'm just cringing. But the, the thing where he says goodbye and they walk the same way, like oh, it's yeah, a thing yeah. that I've, <laughs> I've experienced so many times in real life as well. Yeah, it's like, like yes. a good Oh god. Yeah, <laughs> Michael Sierra's scenes at the start are just gold for me. Like the best part. But uh, oh, I think I think all three of us can somewhat relate to Michael Sierra. I mean, like I think we all kind of got that awkwardness about us so i, I, sure. I, I i'm pretty sure like if we, if we were to like see ourselves in any of the characters it probably would be you know sarah's character no nah, man i see jonah hill in myself obviously oh yeah because you're just an alpha chad oh yeah 
Oh god, no, that's a good. I like that. Um, yeah, yeah, that that was the scene I was talking about. And I love, yeah, when he um, cause, yeah, because it's one thing when they turn in the one direction, they say, "See, yeah, that's funny." But then, yeah, when he starts like hell walking, that's that's even better. Yeah, <laughs> he's going to get in front real fast. When he accidentally, you know, punches her, and just yeah, has yeah, to yeah, endure was... it. You know, it's just oh. he handled, he handled it like a champ. I thought too, actually, to be fair. Yeah, <laughs> you know, kind of. Like, I feel like it, it, th- that could have gone way worse for him. No, she was pretty understanding of what happened, though, so I think it, it was more on her part. Oh, yeah, true. That's a good point. <laughs> oh, God. Maybe I do like this movie more than I thought. How do you feel about um, Emma Stone's character and, and Rebecca, then? Like, you know, the two kind of, you know, female leads. Well, not leads, but, you know, the, the two prime female characters. How do you feel about them? Oh, they were fine. I mean, oh, Emma Stone was Emma Stone was better than Becca. Becca was kind of like whatever. She was just kind of generic to me. But um, yeah. Um, yeah, no, Emma Stone. Emma Stone was cool. I liked her. This was her film debut, wasn't it? I think so. Was it? I think it was. I think I saw that in the trivia. I didn't add it, but yeah, no, it, it was. Yeah. Um, so that's interesting. But yeah, no, I, I liked her more than Becca. Yeah. Mm. But you got to choose one of them, Fitzy. Choose one. Um, no, there are. Good. Um, that's pretty interesting. It's a debut because she was, I mean, she acted well in this movie for sure, but she wasn't there that much. Neither was Becca, but um, no, they were good. No, yeah, no, I, I think Emma Stone's is better just because, um, I just like the stuff with her and Jonah Hill kind of in the in the last section of the movie. You know, and it kind of elevates him as a character a bit as well. Yeah. Yeah, I need to give a shout out. I did like what well, one of the Jonah Hill sequences I did like was when he's in the the store or whatever, and he's trying to figure out how he's going to get this alcohol, and he's just like imagining these different scenarios. And the one with the granny that was that was a banger. Oh yeah, yeah. In, in, in the first that. scenario, like um, where he just imagines himself like buying it from the um from the cashier, I thought it was all legit at first until he pulls out the eighty the eighty dollar bill, <laughs> and like that's it's a it's a, uh, it's, a, it's, it's, it's a funny way to reveal like you know it's. Yeah. Awkward. I mean, like, obviously, like, you can probably tell just because, like, the interaction, you know, you, you just know it's not going to unfair like that in this kind of film. But, like, um, you know, I think the ADL bill was a funny revelation. Hmm. Yeah, definitely. It fooled me at first. I love all the um, director references and film references in there. There's, like, a bunch. I don't remember it much off the top of my head. Oh, uh, they were, like, um... Uh, the that, Star was at one point. They talked Sorry. about, like... So you're the, so the, oh, they talked the about Orson Welles and like yeah yeah Welles how like Welles' like, short career was like Jonah Hill's like short relationship or something like he started it but then couldn't get it like like he had had a limited amount of good movies or whatever oh right yeah yeah but there was like a bunch of others I can't remember right now but they were plenty I just agree with That's that cool. point about Orson Welles I think he made some pretty decent films as he went on yeah I've never really seen Citizen Kane. Uh, we should make that a debate at the end of the show, if you want. Orson Welles. So when Fogel first comes out to when they're first buying the the, um, the alcohol, he's kind of wearing you know that white shirt and that yellow vest, and um, a lot of people were you like replacing like um, images from the Joker with him um, when the trailer came out for the for the Joker because like they like the costumes are kind of similar. Um, and like there was like a lot of like I remember like seeing trailers where like you know Fogel was like inserted at, in like in, in like something and it was just really funny. And like watching it this time, you know, like I had that memory in my head, so it made me laugh even more. Because like like um, I can't really describe it because you know it's, it's a visual thing, 
but like the way that 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 they edit him in like and they make it slow and dramatic and like like they they like what they how they touch up the scene is just so funny so now watching it back as well with that kind of in mind you know kind of made me laugh again like you know as something that probably shouldn't have been as funny but like you know something i did appreciate i feel like fogel may very well be like a solid origin story you know for like a villain in this movie even like he's ending and everything you know he's like a badass now yeah he's, he's still kind of creepy how about i hit you with some more trivia um this is this is a really fun one guys eminem says that this is his favorite movie of all time this was in the imdb trivia don't don't yell at me he even referenced it in his two songs brainless and balling uncontrollably was that what he was doing watching this movie was he balling uncontrollably Was <laughs> 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 that convincing? Sorry. <laughs> super convincing. Super convincing. Yeah. The audience laughed along with that one. Yeah. Oh, God. Michael Sarah's mother actually read the script before he did, and she was the one who convinced him to try out for the part. There you go, Fitz. You can thank Michael Sarah's mother. That is so Michael Sarah. I don't know what, but it's just. That's perfect. What what else is Michael Sarah in? Because I just I know his name. I feel like I've seen him around, but um, Juno and um, Scott Pilgrim vs. World is probably his other famous stuff. Scott Pilgrim, yeah. Oh, and like yeah. he kind of plays like a similar character in both films, where he's kind of like social, socially awkward kind of you know, funny kid. Yeah, that's just that's just um, him in real life, really. Yeah, I mean, I think okay. it's um, what's that? T- what's that TV series? Is in like is it Arrested Development? Is that? Oh yeah, yeah. Yeah, so, I think I think he stars in that. So yeah, he's, oh, okay. he's pretty much the same kind of character in that. Totally not being typecast then. Um, okay, cool. I, I guess I haven't seen him in anything then. I think is he? I think he has a small cameo role in Twenty One Jump Street where he kind of he plays like a similar character but kind of different because like his character's kind of a bit more you know out there. If it is him, I'm thinking of. Trying to think of like Johnny Depp at the end. Is that a Seth Rogen movie? Like, does he produce on those? Yeah, probably. I mean, it's, it's that kind of film. They, it's just kind um, of the vibe you get. Well, they um, it's funny they they reference Twenty One Jump Street in this, and then Jonah Hill, you know, yeah, in Twenty One Jump Street. Was Jonah Hill known before this movie? Do you guys know? Because I mean, he's a big deal these days. I feel. Yeah, yeah. And especially mean, like he's yeah. kind of taken like a more dramatic turn with his career as well. Yeah, definitely. Because, uh, you know, it kind of, I think it started with like War Dogs, which is kind of that bridging, you know, comedy. Oh, well, I mean, Wolf of Wall Street, really. Hmm. It was kind of bridging mm-hmm. that comedy drama. But, like, you know, now you've got him like directing films like mid 90s, and you've got him, you know, starring in like series like Maniac. And, wait, Maniac is that the thing? With um, hmm. Amazon on Netflix, yeah. Oh, oh, yeah. Yeah. So, like, I think he's, um, I don't know, I think he's, um, his career is pretty interesting. Um, oh, I said I said how the lead character's named after the writers. Yep, cool, cool. Um, here we go. Because Jonah Hill and Seth Rogen are such great friends, they were quoted as saying that they were when they were casting for Evan, they weren't so much looking for a good actor as they were casting for a new best friend. Michael Sarah once again jumps in there. Good for him. <laughs> you guys got anything else to throw out there? Um, I think I just, like the one thing I not one thing, but like something that I think like brings the movie down and kind of you know, in terms of, like, comparing it to other comedies is that it doesn't do much creatively for the film medium. You know, it's kind of just, like, you know, joke, 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 anecdote, joke. Whereas, like, mm. if you look at the films of, like, Edgar Wright or Guy Ritchie, they're kind of, you know, the um, 
they've cut, they cut, they, they use the camera smarter and like they kind of bring in this kind of visual type of comedy as well. Um, and that's just something that like, I, th- I think it's just something in that genre really, cause that genre is pretty straightforward. But like in, in that type of film, in, the, in those type of comedies, it's kind of lacking. And that's why they're like, I'll never see them on the same hill and on the same level as, you know, other ones. But, you know, it's a minor thing. And when the film's pretty funny anyway, I don't think you need it too much. Yeah, I think so. I think you're right. But yeah, yeah, you're, but you're right. Yeah, nothing in this movie that I saw, you know, really stood out to me as being unique. Like, as much as I, you know, we discussed the little bits and pieces that uh, we really liked and I really liked, but at the end of the day, this movie kind of, I think, does fall under the umbrella of forgettable to me. I know. I think just, there's so many quotable lines, like, you know, prepare to be fucked by the long dick of the law and, you know, the funny oh, yeah, thing about yeah, my yeah. back is I dislocated on my cock and, you know, and, like, that whole interaction of, like, you know, him on, like, the um, soccer field when, like, um, Joan Hill comes running on and, like, his team is his is, is his teammate, like, James Franco, Dave Franco, whichever, whichever yeah, one it is. Um, yeah, and he's, Dave. like, come on, what are you doing? We're two points down. He's, like, calm down, Greg, it's fucking soccer. Um, <laughs> like, that, like, that shit's just so funny to me and, like, he's always going to, like, stay and stay on line, you know? Yeah, yeah. Oh, uh, yeah, God. Man, maybe I, sh- I should have seen this movie earlier. These would be some great quotes to throw out there in high school scenarios for sure. Yeah. I'm disappointed. Uh, uh, yeah. Maybe that is, I think maybe that's why I enjoy it so much, just because the context I had of with the film with, you know, with mates just talking shit about it. Because, I mean, like, I remember in, like, um, year 11, we had a student teacher, and, like, we showed him a picture of, like, the McLovin thing, because, like, we were talking about it with one of our mates who hadn't seen it. And like the sh- the teacher saw it, the teacher saw it and was like oh yeah that's McLovin like straight away and like you know that kind of became a joke in that class as well so like that's awesome that the movie does that that it kind of creates that that for you that's awesome all right guys well I got to recommend then everyone watch Superbad while you're in high school there you go do that a bit late for the majority of our audience yeah sorry sorry um yeah very mature film critic audience the scene where they actually talk about the idea I think it's funny you know like why would you say you're twenty five and like um, it was between that and Muhammad. Why the oh, yeah, hell Muhammad? <laughs> but yeah, I think like it has very funny parts, but then again, it kind of it did drag a lot for me this time. And like, yeah, I think the first half was like um, like far superior. And mm. yeah, yeah. Yeah, I would have much rather we'd gotten more time of them just hanging around in high school doing that kind of shit as opposed to, yeah, the adventures getting to the party. Like when, when they kind of fall into the other party and the, the shit that occurs there, I'm like, oh, okay. I'd kind yeah. of rather if we just got more high school stuff. Mm. I do like how it, it all takes place, you know, over the course of a single day. Because, you know, yeah. I, I think it's like, you know, traditionally in these type of films, I'll set it up over like some period of time so you can establish the characters as, you know, you, you can really, like, define the characters in their roles by showing multiple examples of how they are in that setting. But, you know, this film kind of does it well with just, you know, a few select scenes, and they can just move on from that point, and they can just tell the rest of the, rest of the day. So um, I think I do kind of like that. I think um, Yeah, that's a good point. Yeah. yeah. Uh, probably, uh, um, yeah, in high school, maybe a bit longer and a bit less of that second party. I think that's probably, like, one of the weaker points. I think you're right in saying that, but, you know, I don't think it's something that's too bad. Yeah, no, no, I'm with you. You're right, the movie does do a good job of making these, showing us 
you know, everything the audience needs to know about these characters within the one day scenario and it still feel organic. Like you still totally, it's totally believable that this all happened in a day. It's not like, wow, really? You jammed that much time into the day, you know? Excellent. Super bad. We've seen it now. Let's give it a score out of 10. I mean, we've seen it now. You guys already said what I'm on about. I'll give the movie a, um, eh, I'll give it a 6 out of 10. I, I, I liked it. I liked it more than I disliked it, for sure. I do think the second half drags, as Fitzy, uh, Fitzy mentioned, <laughs> what's your name again? Um, and I do think, yeah, aspects of it are kind of boring in that way a little bit. But, so yeah, definitely still got, definitely laugh out loud moments sprinkled in there. Um, and a little bit of cool character stuff as well. And, I mean, it, you know, it's not that big of a time investment, or you know, hour 53 minutes. It, at times can feel a little long, but, mm. yeah, no, it's fine. I, I I like the movie. I'll say that much. So, so yeah, 6 out of 10 from me. What about you, Fitzy? Um, yeah, as I said, I thought it was okay. And, like, it does feel a bit, I mean, it doesn't, as Jane said, have a very, like, kind of generic, kind of plain filming style and drags a bit and blah, blah, blah. So I'd also give it a 6 out of 10. Um, if there was just more Sarah and there was more high school stuff, it'd be higher. But, like, it does get annoying for me just watching, you know, um, what's his name? It's like Hill at the party and waiting for, you know. Yeah, I don't know. Just, um. Yeah. Yeah, 6 out of 10. What about you, Jane? Um. I'm going to give it an eight. Like, I agree with everything you guys are saying about, like, the stuff that drags down a bit too much hill. It's a bit too long. But, um, I think because of the, you know, I think, I, I still think it's a funny, funny ass film. And it's something that, you know, that you can just watch with mates. And, you know, you can just talk about whatever, like, casually. And you can just you know, bring up a reference every now and then. And I think it's, like, great for those reasons. Um, so yeah, I'm going to stick with an eight. Which is actually Absolutely. a step up, because I think I gave it a seven the first time, but maybe not. Any movie that can give you that kind of personal connection to it, that's awesome. Hip, hip, hooray. All right. Well, <laughs> this is going to be the shortest episode of this podcast ever, but, you know, whatever. doesn't bother me, because the news chat segment is bloody bare bones this week. Um, so, one thing I do have, I'll throw it out there. The saga of Tenet releasing or not continues. Um, we got a little report from NATO, which is the National Association of Theatre Owners in the United States. And their current, uh, I guess, they're not, I guess, so they're not like a, a union. Then That's not that's not what that is. So I, I bet they're like, I guess, the, I don't know, the collective individuals of theatre owners in some way. I, I don't know how the hell that works. But anyway, their collective current statistics and reports um, are suggesting at this time that by the time Tenet releases on July 17th, that 90% of theatres will be open in the US. Of course, this is just a prediction. Who the hell knows? I don't particularly know what statistics they're using to measure this. I would assume it's a combination of um, just obviously internal financials with all the theatre owners combined with... um, I guess the same medical shit that we all know as members of the public. Um, and then maybe just some kind of inside knowledge that these theatre owners have maybe contact with the studios in some way. Who knows? I don't know what they're using, but I assume it's some combination, perhaps all of those different things to get this statistic. 
It reminds me of like a time travel paradox. It's like if they say it's ninety percent, then it makes people more likely to like advocate for the opening and like going and stuff, which makes the ninety percent more likely to happen. You know. Mm. Sure, sure. So it's like a mental game they're playing. Mm, maybe. You know, like maybe. people like create their own prophecies type thing. You know, like you know, you know, like you oh, know yeah. the um, you know, the people said we're we're, we're going to run out of toilet paper, so buy it. And then everyone bought toilet paper, and then they actually did run out of toilet paper. So like, oh no, it, it actually happened. Yeah. What's going to happen now? You know, it's kind of that idea. But hey, I mean, if it means tents coming out, that's a positive positive outcome for me anyway. Yeah. I still don't see it, and especially now, I think there's going to be a second wave of the virus in America as well, just with because of everything that's going on. I mean, with everything that's going on, is that going to delay stuff further? So, mm. I mean, I guess they know more than I do, but I don't know. Yeah, it's good. Yeah, I don't know. Yeah, yeah. I guess it presents another question of how much I don't know when this report, if this is an up to date report, is in. Is it aware of? Uh, current events as of literally yesterday, you know, or was this something that was publicized recently, but it kind of been an internal conclusion that it was come to maybe a week ago. And I think that does make a difference. Mm. But hey, I just wanted to kind of throw some more optimism out there towards the tenant, tenant gods, please. You know, just trying to spread a bit of hope. I think that, no, I think it was an important update because we had mentioned the likelihood of theaters and if NATO I mean, if you're an organisation with that important sounding of an acronym, I, I'm kind of inclined to trust you a little bit, just a little bit. The only other news item we have this week is the fact that there's a Wolfman movie and Ryan Gosling might be in it. Now, Jaden, I don't even know what Wolfman is. Can you tell me? Um, Wolfman is kind of like one of those classic universal horror movies, you know. I think the first one was released in the 40s. And I think this upcoming film is meant to be part of the new, you know, like the universal dark oh, universe yeah. type thing. How sure. they're trying to re, you know, they're trying to um, re-release all the famous monsters, you know, your Frankensteins, your mummies, your Draculas, and Wolfman, of course, is part of that too. So the the movie comes from like that kind of area. Um, how Ryan Gosling got involved in the rumors, I have no idea because it really doesn't seem like his type of film. But you know, we'll see. Yeah, apparently, um, like, Gosling pitched the idea based on, like, Gyllenhaal's Nightcrawler movie, which sounds really weird. Because, oh. that's, like, it's just a thriller kind of thing, but I don't know, maybe, like, is Wolfman that kind of a similar character to Gyllenhaal's Night or something? I don't know. I mean, not traditionally. I mean, Wolfman is just, you know, classic monster movie. That's yeah. what I know it is. I mean, I'm not sure if like one of the iterations, you know, kind of reintroduces that type of thing, or whether they're just going for a new outlook. But you know, right? Yeah, that's why I was weird because I just I couldn't see the connection. But yeah, can we try and explore the lore of Wolfman? What is Wolfman? So is he is he a werewolf? Is that what he is? No, he's Wolfman. Half so he's not a werewolf. I've no, I've no idea. Isn't that what a werewolf? Isn't that what a werewolf? No, a werewolf transforms, whereas a wolfman is a wolfman. Sure. <laughs> so he doesn't. So Wolfman Ryan Gosling, Wolfman doesn't transform. He's just uh, permanently in state of Wolfman. I'm not sure. They might change the law. It's uncertain times, Zach. But as it, but as we know, Wolfman is he just Wolfman? I believe so. Okay. And does he like what traits are humanoid and which traits are wolf? 
Um, he is a human that's very furry. That's pretty much what it is. Right. Okay. With some okay. sharp teeth. Sure. And well, like, does he have? And that's. Does he have any other? Does he have like agility or some shit? Can he like climb roofs and and shit like that? I'm gonna be honest. Like, I have no idea. Oh damn it! I, I think like, he's just a person, mate. Uh that's kind of dull. So. I guess we're not going to get the ultimate Godzilla versus King Kong versus Wolfman if he's just a dude with some teeth. Oh my yeah, God. no. Uh, I would have liked to have seen Ryan Gosling versus King Kong. Oh, sorry, no, Wolfman is a werewolf. I was wrong. So he's, okay, so he's just a straight-up werewolf. Yeah. Okay, okay. What about Wolfman versus Wolverine? Mm, That's a fight mm, I'd like to see. Get, um... You got to get Universal and old Disney to team up there. Get get that one to happen. Well, you know Disney will probably own them in like five years anyway. So, hundred percent. The day that Disney owns Universal is the day the world ends. <laughs> this is how Ryan Gosling gets into the MCU. Hundred percent. Hmm. This is I, his role. He knows it too. That's why he's taking it. He's like, yo, I can get on the MCU train. I'd never want Gosling to be door. tied up in the MCU. I mean, uh, everyone's getting tied up into the MCU. It's inevitable. Every yeah. actor that's ever been alive is going to end up in the MCU. And so I don't like how like people like rumor like you know young and upcoming talents to get to to be involved. I mean, like I I I don't want you know I don't want to see Saoirse Ronan in the in the in the MCU film. You know, I don't want to see oh, yeah. Olivia Cook and Anya Taylor Joy in in an MCU film. You know, they're good actresses and they should not huh. be involved in those type of products. I mean, you know, go for what you want to do if you really want to do an MCU film. Go for it. But I mean, I don't know how to explain it. I just think it's because it, I don't know, you know. Yeah, yeah, I, I know what you mean. Yeah, yeah cheers for tea. Isn't yeah. Anya Taylor Joy in New Mutants? Yeah, but that's not technically MCU. So I mean, yeah. oh, and, sure. and, yeah, yeah. And New Mutants seems like a kind of more experimental, you know, type of superhero film. So I'll allow it. Yeah, <laughs> I was literally about to say, will you allow that? <laughs> oh, that's nice. <laughs> And plus, she was already in Split as well, which is technically kind of superhero shit, something like that. Yes, it's true. She's already betrayed you. She's going to the MCU already, 100%. Yeah. She's already signed that contract. Well, like, um, like, yeah, no, nah, I just can't, yeah, no. Nah. <laughs> yeah, when is New Mutants even going to come out? I feel so sorry for everyone that made that movie. Yeah. I mean, never. Is, is it going to be straight to VOD now? Is that the new rumor? Well,. I don't know. Well, it was gonna it was gonna come to the theaters when April, I think, I think, and then obviously all this shit happened. And but the fact that they haven't released it yet indicates they're still waiting for that theater release. I guess. Yeah, it wasn't the original theater release like two years ago now? Yes. Yeah, it was. Yeah. yeah. It's been ages. I, I hope it does get released though. Like, I, I hope it's not one of those films that just ends up getting shelved and like it's complete and just sits there. Oh no! Because of like you know. It it'll be released at this point, hundred percent. Like I think that the time of everyone thought it was going to be cancelled for about a year. It was just sitting on the shelf, and the fact that they made you know we got an, we got a whole new trailer for it only early in the year, and they committed to a brand new date. If they were going to cancel it, they would have already done it a year ago. You know, I think they committed to it. Let's get into what we've been watching. Um, I haven't got I've got like nothing. So I mean, uh, Fitzy, do you want to go first? Sure. Oh, good. The oh, that was some good enthusiasm. I like it. Um, yeah, I've only got one thing. Um, I saw Primal Fear for the first time this week. Um, it was Edward Norton's debut film, debut film, and, um, 
basically it's on Netflix. It's this courtroom courthouse drama, and um, it's about like Edward Norton's this like choir boy, and it's about whether he killed this uh this priest, this kind of dodgy priest, and the film like from the perspective of this uh like like criminal lawyer, like he's defending uh Edward Norton's character. And, um, but, like, yeah, the, like, I can't really say, it doesn't have that compelling a synopsis, there's nothing I can really say that, like, be like, wow, I want, you know, I want to watch this film now without spoiling it, because, like, the good stuff about the film, it kind of, uh, goes into spoiler territory, but, um, anyway... Edward Norton won a. Well, he didn't win. He um. It, it was his first film, and he got nominated for supporting actress uh, actor on this <laughs> on this one, and it's just really great. It's just a really great film. Um, it's like it's between the defense attorney and his uh his ex is defending the uh the victim or the you know the state. Um. And, um, it's just, like, yeah, it's, again, I can't really say, like, why it's good, because it's very spoiler-heavy, but I would recommend just, you know, watch it, because, like, it's a classic, but as soon as you look into why it's a classic, it's like, oh, shit, I just spoiled myself. So, like, oh, okay. just, like, you know, just watch it. I yeah. appreciate your caution. Primal um, Fear. When did that come out? 1996. Okay. Okay. Awesome. Directed by Gregory Hoblet. He made Fracture. You've seen that? No. I've seen Fractured. That's a Netflix movie. Oh, oh and it um it has Laura Linney from um Ozark. Oh she's great, yeah. Richard Gere. It's been in nothing we would know, but he's a good old actor. Um But yeah, that's what I watched. Cool. Jaden? Um, I had a pretty big week, but it was a fair few rewatches. But um, of the new stuff, um, I watched Nausicaa of the Valley of the Wind, which is a Studio Ghibli film. Um, it was really good. I mean, uh, well, I, like one of the themes in like most Ghibli films is that is that of like you know the earth and like nature versus man and stuff like that. And that was kind of like you know I think it, it was it was really well um done in this, um. It's got all the same charm, you know, great animation, great, um, great music, you know, in really interesting story and really, you know, great characters. Um, I'd recommend any Ghibli film, to be honest. Um, so that was great. Um, I watched cool. Hannibal, which rounds up the Hannibal trilogy of Manhunter, Silent of the Lambs, and now this one. Um, definitely the weakest in the series. Um, just uninteresting and, you know, generic and Julianne Moore is not a very good Clarice at all, especially after, you know, you have uh, Jodie sure. Foster as, you know, what she establishes the character as. And I mean, it's a, it's a, it's a fair jump in time. I think it's like some 10 years later. So, you know, it's believable enough that she's evolved into, you know, what Julianne Moore is, but I still don't like what they've done with the character there. Can um, you not yet? What Sorry? about Anthony Hopkins though? Can you can you still not go wrong with him though? Or uh, I mean, he does fine. Um, 
he hasn't he has nowhere near the presence that he does in Silence. But that's because he does have like the because like in, in Silence of Lambs he's constrained to one cage, um. But he's so menacing and threatening and just you know terrifying, like truly terrifying. But in um in Manhunter, I mean, like he's got, he's got unlimited range and you know they travel the world and like you know but like you know he should be much more threatening, but he just doesn't have the same presence. Still yeah. a decent, oh, that sucks. still a decent you know villain, but um. Just you know, nowhere near as compelling. Yeah, sure. Um, I also watched Tokyo Drifter, which was brilliant. Um, I mean, I don't really know how to describe it. It's kind of like if Tarantino was Asian, and it was like in the nineteen sixties. Um, that was really great. I mean, it's such a wonderful use of color in film, and like the only bad thing about it is the way it's edited. Because, like, at the start, it, it kind of jumps a bit and, like, the story gets a bit confusing. But, like, as you stick with it and as you go on, it becomes a lot more clear and you understand it a lot more. And, like, it's just the characters are so suave and charming and it's just really easy to get behind them, even though, you know, they're all Yakuza's hitmen, hitmen and stuff. But um, that was really great. And I also finally got to watch Collateral. Um, as we oh, know, yeah, awesome. I wasn't around for the first um cinema effect episode but i watched collateral and it was actually a lot better than i thought it would be i kind of went into it with you know um just oh it's another action film but i was pleasantly surprised i think i still gave it like the um i think i still rated it like roughly the same as what you guys did but um i don't know why in my in my head like in fact you know the discussion that i listened to from you guys but um i don't know i kind of saw it it kind of sounded a bit more generic than what it was um Mm. Hmm. I don't. Yeah, I don't know. I really liked it. Um, yeah. Let's redo it. Let's just. <laughs> yeah, well, I, th- I think one of you commented on the music and how it wasn't very present, and like I do agree with that. So. Oh, yeah. There you go. But um, we did say it was kind of. I don't know. It's like it still has its own like kind of style to it. I think we did say that, didn't we? I don't know. I only remember the bad stuff you no said. No idea. I've got no idea what I said. <laughs> that was like thirteen minutes ago, Liam. Yeah, exactly. I like the I like <laughs> the nightclub scene. I remember that. That was awesome. I was really surprised they killed off like like I know like did you guys talk about how they killed off Mark Ruffalo's character? Because yeah, that was yeah. something I was completely I completely forgot then. And like when it happened, oh, I was like I was like ah oh. good yeah yeah that was my favorite part yeah yeah because it's just like so unexpected. It's like. Mm. Oh, and especially because, like, you know, he's because, he, like, you know, he starts being on the same side, and you're like, oh, you know, yeah. it's actually going to help him, and then bang, no, yeah, yeah. Like the I do love the ending though, and... like the way the ending wraps up nicely with the thing he, like, Tom Cruise mentioned at the start about, you know, you get on the MT, whatever it is, and you sit there for six hours, no one knows you're dead. You know, it's really, it's, uh, that was a highlight for me too. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think it was a stupid move though. I mean, like at the end, how how the two characters walk away from his dead body when, I mean, she's like a defense attorney. She very well knows that they need that body to prove everything that just happened. But she's like, yeah, no, I'll just walk away and let him ride on the train. Like, what the hell? You know. I mean, like, let's, let's go know. get the body. No, 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 no. We need the symbolism, bro. Just... Yeah. yeah. Good symbolism, but like super impractical. Yeah. Um, <laughs> But yeah, that was my week. Excluding cool. rewatches. Do you want to touch on any highlight rewatches or yeah, nah? Um, Super 8 is always a good film. Um, it's, it, to, to this day, it's still J.J. Abrams' only original film. 
he that's not involved in like some kind of remake or oh, sequel wow. type thing. And interesting. I think it's really great. I, I think it's one of his best films. I mean, it's better than any of the Star Treks and Star Wars he was involved in. Um, it was kind of like the it before it, you know, of kind of those teenage characters dealing against this like supernatural force, you know, unreliable parents and, you know, these not this, you know, seventies, eighties charm. And this, I think it was dumb. I don't know. I love Super 8. It's such a good film. Um, and especially like, cool. cause like the characters are so relatable as well. I mean, um, not so much the primary and inte- like the primary kid, but like, um, some of like the, uh, some of the background kids, you know, I can, I can really see parts of myself. And so I was like, oh, yeah, I can get behind that. Awesome. Yeah. I love JJ Abrams. I need to watch that. Haven't you seen it? No. I, th- I honestly think it might be the only movie of his I haven't seen. Dude, it's so good. That's awesome. We'll, um, we'll do it for the podcast, surely. Oh, yeah. Good shout. Yeah. Yeah. Add it to the list. We will. Absolutely. Yeah. Well, do you know what his first film he directed was? I think it was honestly Star Trek. No, Mission Impossible 3 was before. Oh, before. right. Sorry. Okay. Yeah. I haven't seen the Mission Could Impossible, it, so I don't that? know. I think it might be because I think he he's been producing for a lot longer than what he's been directing. But um, yeah, in terms yeah, of the things right. he's actually directed, I'm pretty sure. Um, what do we have? Mm. He directed an episode. Of, oh, he directed a few episodes of Lost, obviously. Oh yeah, yeah. Um, Mission Impossible Three was his first film. Yeah, awesome. And then yeah. Star Trek. No, he, yeah, yeah. Got it. Okay. Yeah. No. So that that means yeah. No, that is the only movie of his I haven't seen for sure. Then yeah. Mm. Um, I need to check it out. Yeah, I think Abrams is great, especially like when um. You've seen his TED talk where he talks about like the mystery box and how he writes and shit. Um, I think yeah, it's really yeah, absolutely. Yeah, his films are really interesting. Yeah, um, I think Super is the best one. Like I was saying, just like it's. I mean, I haven't seen Mission Impossible three, so not too sure. But you know, that movie's great. I love that movie. Is the Mission Impossible series worth looking into? I mean, like, because like every time I think about clicking on it, I'm like, ah, uh, you know, Have it's you just another spot. Have you seen none of them? No. Oh, dude, no, no, hundred percent worth your time. Well, I mean. I mean, two's, two's like real bad, but um, honestly, like you can jet, jet, just skip it. Honestly, you could. There's no harm. I would watch. I'd watch oh, the yeah, Wallander yeah. skip two, and I think that's totally worth your time. You mean to the Australian one? Yeah. No, nah, you can't skip two. Yeah, no, if, if, it's, if it's Aussie, then I'm, I'm not going to skip it. I mean, but it's not Australian. They just they're just hanging around in Sydney, and it's but it's not even good. Like you know, it's not like very inspiring Sydney for us people. Two has yeah. one of the best like. Third acts, I think, in terms really? of like that scene where he like you know oh, the motorbike uses the mask and stuff at the end. Ah, uh, yeah, that one oh, scene with yeah. the motorbike that's not in every single one of the franchise. Oh no, no, but it has got a standout motorbike. <laughs> there, but yeah, because <laughs> like because okay. like that's my perception of the series. You know, whenever I think about it, whenever I hear of it, it's, it's just like you know, oh, motorbike action, oh, jumping from roof action, oh, fighting action, oh, he's a spy and he's floating on the floor. What? Oh. It, like, I mean. On a surface level, that is what it is. Uh, I just think th- that they do such a good job at that is their goal. That is what hundred percent what their objective is to do every single time, and they just are so every single time just want to elevate themselves and one up themselves in it, doing that better than anyone's ever done it before. And at the end of the day, sure, that is what it is, but mm. it's phenomenal. It's Simon like so Pegg's well in them, isn't he? I watch it for Simon yeah, Pegg. He yeah. yeah, oh, he's great. Yeah, but he's I mean. Great. Yeah, there's a bunch of clever things they do with the plot as well. Like they kind of do a similar thing in each one with them. Kind of, yeah, but, it's like a um, it's like a now you see me scenario. I think for you, Jane, where you know, no, no high cinema whatsoever, but I, I think they're awesome. Well, 
aren't four and five really highly regarded? Like five and hmm. six. Are, oh, you know, four, five, and six. Yeah, but yeah. Those six? three are kind oh. of generally well, really. Yeah. When did six come out? Two thousand eighteen. Oh, it's oh. Wait, Wait um, on. it doesn't go like Ghost Protocol and then number five or whatever it is. Ghost Protocols four, Rogue Nations five, Fallout six. Ah. Oh. Shit, I've got six more sports now. Damn. No, skip two. You've got five. (laughs) You can't skip two. Two two is great. I'll make my judgment based on the first one. It's really dog. All right. Well, the first one is definitely. I mean, the the first. Like, I think two is bad, but. um, Isn't. The first one's definitely the weakest, but it's still good, you know? Wait. Isn't the first one Coppola? Directed? Yeah. Yeah, obviously, yeah. Ooh. Maybe? I'll just look it up. I think you might... I feel like you're onto something with that, but I can't remember. Um, I'm excited. Oh, no, no, no. Uh, Brian De Palma, Scarface. Uh, That's right. I knew it was someone weird like that. Where it was, I was surprised to hear that. Right. No, yeah, no, Mission Impossible 1, I think it's the weakest of them. Um, and really? I think they do such a good job of building on that movie. But I still think it's a good movie, yeah. Number yeah. one. I thought number one was pretty good. I mean, it is, I agree. It is pretty good. I just think it's the weakest. Oh, not counting two. I mean, they're all on stand, so I might. Are they all, I, th- I, I know for sure the first few are on stand, so I might give them a row this week. Have a look. Yeah, absolutely. Awesome. But right, I mean, let's just, let's just it, do a whole episode on that. Isn't one kind of one of the more highly regarded ones? Like, I think it is. Oh, I, I, don't, I mean, I don't know what. Uh, yeah, I don't, by that statement, I don't know. Like, It depends, I guess, just what circles you're looking in. It's kind of, uh, it's, to me, it's not, I don't really see that, but I don't know, on, maybe on Letterboxd it is, I've got no idea. I just feel like when I hear the series mentioned, it's always one and then four, five, and then now six, apparently. So I feel like they're the ones that people talk about. Like when I, when I've seen them mentioned, they're the ones that I see. Like two that and three, I've, I've, I hardly see referenced. Uh, I, I think. I think uh, threes. I, I don't understand why people don't mention three. I think it's severely underrated. If that's true, because I, I don't really know common consensus. So if that's true, that means it's underrated to me. But um, but yeah, no people definitely mention the kind of re. Uh, ever since they started giving them subtitles with four, five, six, they all you know they don't give them numbers anymore. That's kind of the rebooted trilogy. That's where Simon Pegg comes in. Um, people really love those. Yeah, Didn't, sure. wasn't Simon Pegg in the third one? Because I read that the only project that Simon that JJ Abrams has been involved in and, and that Simon Pegg isn't in is um is super eight. Mm, no, he yeah, sorry, he, he is in the third one, but it's like a minor role, but he actually he, he becomes like a major character, but he isn't really in three. Right. Yeah, yeah. I think I think that's right. Yeah. Alright. Cool. Mission Impossible, good stuff. Let's get into our uh, listener submitted comments for last week's question. Last week's question was what your favourite film score soundtrack music is of all time? And well why? phrased, super well phrased, mm-hmm. absolutely. Just just imagine, you know, if oh, that was written out with like you know commas, imagine that. <laughs> it, but even that's not correct English. But anyway, Henry wrote into us and said, "I think the Lord of the Rings has the best OST of any movie franchise ever made. Even just viewing it on a technical level, in the light motif scattered throughout." which I developed throughout the entire trilogy, subtly reflecting the events of the film through the introduction and removal of certain instruments and stuff that I, as a musical pleb, 
Could not. I, I love the word blip. Could not understand it all, but, but can still appreciate Hans Zimmer. Maybe a king, but Howard Shaw is a god. That's a great final sentence. Thanks, Henry. Howard Shaw is great. What's a king to a god, but, but what's a god to a non-believer? Is that a quote from something? Um, I, so. I only know it from a song um, by uh, uh, one of the Wu-Tang people, I think. Um, I don't know if it's something from... Uh, thanks. We're going into a sunset. Indiana Jones soundtrack is great. The, Luke just loves Indiana Jones. He just writes in about Indiana Jones every chance he gets. The sound encapsulates the idea of Dr. Jones. The adventure, the action... Also, the archaeology exclamation mark. It's an amazing soundtrack to listen to when you're about to hit the road. Also, shout out to the Tarzan and Brother Bear soundtrack. Wow. Nice. Perhaps you'll know where they have what they have in common. I don't. Do they have the same composer? Maybe. Uh, okay. The drum work in Tarzan is on point and the vocals in the Brother Bear are spiritual. They even got the Bulgarian women's choir for a version of Transformation, which is a song title apparently. There's a little trivia for you. Hang on, so is he referring to animated Tarzan? I guess he is, if he's comparing it to Brother Bear. Yeah, for sure. Right. Okay. Do we know what the, Do you guys know what they have in common? Um, well, Phil Collins is, was um, part of the soundtrack for Brother Bear. I'm not sure if he's involved in Tarzan, though, is he? I mean, if it's Luke, that probably is what it is. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. What? <laughs> I mean, maybe it just means, I guess if they're both Disney movies, then they'd probably have similar departments. I think Brother Bear's great. It's, 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 I think it's one of the better, you know. Like, I, I love Brother Bear. Is that, is, is, um, is it regarded as, like, a good film? Or? i got no idea. I loved it as a kid. I've got to rewatch it. Mm. Add it to the list. Definitely. Paul makes his return to this show. We lost him for a few weeks. He came back last week, but we appreciate you coming back, Paul. He said, yeah. I would have thought that The Lion King would be my favourite movie soundtrack. I've raised four children who have been thoroughly entertained by the movie and have that so- and have that sung along wholeheartedly to the soundtrack, including Luke. Luke, you've been exposed by your father on the podcast. <laughs> Thank you very much, everyone who wrote in. We appreciate you, as always. Um... Oh, sorry, yeah, go for it. Oh, yeah. And Charlie Scanlon said, uh... Oh, yes, yes Hobbit. Do we reveal last names on this podcast? Well, this was, uh... This was his account, so yes, sir. <laughs> oh, no. Sure, sure, yeah. Charlie said to us, um... <laughs> Hobbit slash Lord of the Rings scores are dope as... Fuck. So... <laughs> there you go. Thanks, Vizzy. Yeah, absolutely. Oh. That, no, that is a great answer. That is a great answer. Jane, what's your answer for this? Um, this is something I struggled with a lot. I mean, I love film scores so bloody much. Um, mm. I think it's easy to go with, you know, like Zimmer for me, especially like because, you know, it's Zimmer, but like I kind of want to go with something a bit different. Um, don't defy the intro. Yeah, because like, I, I don't know, there's just so much... I don't know. I feel like I could spend like an entire episode just talking shit about film scores. Um, I think, um, God, I don't know. I don't want. Uh, yeah, I, I'm not going to say Zimmer because I don't want to be that guy. But um, I think Sicario has a brilliant soundtrack um, by Johan Johansson. It's so superb, and like the way that Villeneuve describes it as a pulse from a desert, and like it, it is so so like well delivers on that. I mean, with tracks like The Beast, it's brilliant. But um, yeah, and then you've also got like I don't know because you've also got like these alternate soundtracks from like like bands and like people like you know 
the Tron Legacy soundtrack and the the soundtrack for More, which Pink Floyd did, or the soundtrack for Submarine by Alex Turner, who is the frontman for the Arctic Monkeys. And I think also the Great Gatsby soundtrack needs to be recognized because I think what like the amalgamation of classical and modern day like you know hip hop type things and the way they emerge on that soundtrack is phenomenal. And then you know you can't ignore you know it's like synth, like synth like horror synth soundtracks like Halloween and Suspiria and The Strangers Pray at Night. I mean I don't know like I could just go on about soundtracks for so long. Awesome, yeah. I mean yeah, your hacking industry is smart, you know. Yeah. I don't really I don't really think I can either, but. Uh, I mean, oh, fine. I'll just go the Empire Strikes Back and a New Hope. Oh well, that's two, isn't it? No. <laughs> hey, hey. I mean, yo, Luke said Indiana Jones, so I'm just gonna say OT Star Wars done. But yes, Hans Zimmer also strong contender. Dark Knight trilogy strong contender. Um, yeah, those are kind of my kind of answers. How about you, Fitzy? I think Lord of the Rings probably wins for me, but I'll mention two others. Um. There'll be blood. Soundtrack for There'll Be Blood is uh brilliant and um Synecdoche, New York. Um both Wait what? Isn't it Synecdoche? Synec nah, I think it's Synecdoche. I mean no. this is the kid that keeps saying Vinyl, so <laughs> Alright, um <laughs> sorry. <laughs> but yeah, there's Okay, no, sorry, yeah, no. You're you're definitely right. I I, I Oh okay. Yeah. Okay, good. Yeah, you, 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 you Actually, maybe it's not. I don't know. Wait, hold on. Oh. <laughs> Challenge. Go on and I'll... Um, um, we'll get um, to the bottom of it. They're just both brilliant. I mean, there will be Blood soundtrack as, like, uh, as intense and visceral as the movie is and Synecdoche's is um, as, you know, depressing and... Um, as depressing and like despairing ish as that movie is and that character is Caden. So they're just so perfect. Um but yeah. Lord of the Rings probably wins though, just because like there's apparently there's like a thousand different there's like a tune for like each place, like each character, so like if you're lost, like the music kind of tells you where you are, like in the story and where you are, like where you are and who you're with. Like, I don't know, when you really like look into the Lord of the Rings soundtrack, it's just so brilliant. Um, but yeah, there's, there's those. And there, I mean, there's so many others that I mentioned. I mean, Donnie Darko, um, Magnolia by Paul Thompson. And, uh, yeah, soundtracks are great. Soundtracks are great. Uh, Very well said. Um, so the internet says synecdoche, but then I found this video pronouncing it, and like I don't know if you're going to include this in the final cut, Finny, but like just listen to this. I mean, yeah, go for it. In a doty chody, I am the kind of doty chody, sign a cody doty chody. Yeah, no. <laughs> yeah, no. I think it's a, we'll go with synecdoche. Synecdoche. Yeah. <laughs> Can we? Yeah, I, I, I'm totally down if every time. We don't know how to pronounce something. We get Jaden in to get the Google to correct us there with our voice thing. Huh. Set the record straight. I mean, the data dump's going to be a pain in the ass. Oh, my God. Yo, that's what we should do. We should get the robot to read the data dump 
So I'm not stumbling like a moron. And then there's like an actual data dump because it's a robot dumping data. Uh, oh, yeah. That's good. Well, levels. This show has levels. It, <laughs> <laughs> I mean, oh, God. I mean, this podcast is even reflecting the real world. AI is even taking my job on my own show. Great. It, it'll, yeah, it'll just replace all of us eventually. On a somber note. Thanks, guys, for tuning into Cinema Effect this week. We appreciate your time, as always. Um, Fitzy, what are we watching next week? We are watching The Last Samurai, um, which happens to be Charlie's favorite movie. It does. So that's interesting. Um, the world Charlie, famous Charlie. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, professional, professional lifter. Professional... <laughs> Um, and that's on Netflix, boys and girls, so there's no mm. excuse, guys. Like, what are you doing? We come here every week and you just, you don't watch our movies and it's just, it's sad. It is sad. <laughs> I mean, I feel like, yeah, we say often there's no excuse, but somehow, man, these, these people, you know, these low lowlifes that listen to us, they find an excuse. Mm. Yeah, inside your audience, that's a good way to get them involved. <laughs> I, I, hey, I, I think we established <laughs> since day one, that's the strat, okay? Yeah. I'm definitely going to get taken out of context one day. I'm going to be, like, clipped on Twitter or some shit. Everyone boycott us. Anyway, um, thanks again for tuning in. We appreciate you. Thanks, co-host people, fellow friend people, Liam and Jane, for joining me. Thank you. That's all right. All right. Have a great rest of your week. And I'm off in this intro. I'm sorry. Oh, okay, hang on. Let me, let me like, retry that last sentence. Have a great rest of your week and goodbye. And follow the Instagram page too. Uh, oh. Yeah, actually, yo, I should add that to the intro. I need to do that. Okay. Yeah, do that. Okay. See you, everyone. Bye. Uh.